0: good morning brothers and sisters what a joy it is to sit at the feet of our lord and savior jesus christ and to hear what he has prepared for us in his word today our text today comes from first peter chapter four and we will be looking at verses 14 through 16 so turn with me now in your bibles to 1 peter chapter four and as you're turning there, I want us to keep in mind that Peter is writing to Christians who are exiled from their homeland. They're in a society that hates them, and they're facing severe uh, suffering for their faith. He hasn't told them to flee. He hasn't told them to cower in fear Instead, what he does is he tells them how to live in light of that suffering. So here in this fourth chapter of 1 Peter, the apostle tells these exiled believers, of whom we are also a part of, exactly how to face suffering in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So hear now the word of the Lord from 1 Peter 4, beginning in verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now and we ask that you would Open our hearts and minds to receive this word that you have prepared for us. Let us realize that we are living in times of suffering and persecution, and let us rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ in these times. Lord, speak to our hearts and move within us. It's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 90,000 people are dead, not from the coronavirus, not from the global war on terror. No, in the past 10 years, 90,000 people have died in defense of the Christian faith. Do you ever sit back and wonder what true persecution looks like? Now, here in the United States, uh, we have a different understanding of persecution because of the freedoms that we enjoy, but what about the rest of the world? What about China? What does persecution look like in China? Churches are having to meet underground and Christians are being arrested from uh, by the civil government and being thrown into forced labor camps and prisons? What about persecution in the Middle East? Christians are being beheaded on internet live streams by these terrorist organizations. When you're on your drive to church, do you ever worry about a police officer pulling you over and noticing the Bible In your front seat? When you're sitting there in the congregation, do you worry about a terrorist cell bursting through the doors and killing everyone? Well, probably not. Uh, In the environment that we live in, we do not experience this type of physical violence in persecution. But we do experience persecution. What about teachers? Do you fear of losing your job if you share the gospel in the classroom? Brothers and sisters, there is real suffering that goes on in America today because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Are we prepared to face that suffering and to face it with joy? Or are our lives so tainted with sin that we have no need to fear being persecuted for our faith in Christ? The world so hates the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we will face persecution. We all know this, but we're not ready for it. We are so complacent in our day-to-day lives, keeping the kids and, and going to the office, that we don't anticipate any sort of suffering for the faith. And we can't continue in this blind state. Here in this fourth chapter of 1 Peter, the apostle makes it explicitly clear that our following Christ will lead to suffering for his sake. And in this suffering for Christ, we seek joy, we seek holiness, and we seek God's glory. Now, it's strange to say that we must seek joy in suffering. That concept seems so foreign to us. But that's exactly what's being spoken of here in our passage. Look with me at verse 14. If we be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. What does it mean to be reproached for the sake of Christ? Well, it means to experience persecution or to experience suffering because of your faith in Christ. As I said earlier, this isn't something that's common in America, but it is common for uh, the original hearers of this passage. They were forced to flee from their homeland. They're, They're living in exile and they're facing suffering and persecution on a daily basis. But the reality is, this is our experience here in America as well. We may not be beaten and killed for our faith, but we do experience serious repercussions for being Christians. I can recall being, when I was in the army, uh, this wall that we had, this military law that forbid us from proselytizing, which is just a, a fancy word, a way of saying that we couldn't share our faith with the intent of someone being converted. If if I had been caught evangelizing one of the Iraqis on my base, or if if one of these Iraqis had gone and told one of the numerous officers that was on base that I was sharing the gospel, I could have been removed from sight and had military charges placed on me. This is a real form of persecution. Businesses being forced to... Violate their Christian principles at the threat of uh, legal recourse is a form of persecution. Teachers being threatened with termination if they share the gospel with a student is a real form of persecution. We really do suffer in this world for our faith in Christ Jesus. And when that suffering, that persecution comes, we are to seek joy in the midst of it. Happy are ye, as the passage says. This seems crazy to us. How can the text say that if we suffer, we are happy? Why are we to seek Joy in the midst of suffering. When it seems like the entire world is against you, are you happy? Do you seek joy? I know I don't always. But what if I were to come to you and ask you, do you want to feel terrible pain? Do you want to be permanently scarred and changed for the rest of your life from this pain? Do you want to feel as though your body is being ripped apart? Well, of course you would say no. But many people you know have chosen to do this again and again and again. Many of our sisters in Christ have experienced this exact pain, why would they do that? Why would they willingly choose to suffer such extreme pain and often multiple times? Because through that pain comes a child. There's a purpose and a reward for that pain and suffering, and it brings a more uh, extreme form of joy that overpowers the pain and suffering. That's what this passage tells us, that that there is this greater joy in our suffering. And and that is the spirit of of glory and of God resting upon us. We seek joy in suffering because of the reward of God's Spirit resting upon us. And it gives us this joy that is so much greater than any physical suffering that we can face. But we're not alone in this. Christ experienced suffering as well, far greater suffering than you and I will ever face. And he faced it with joy, because there was a purpose. There was a reward. Hold your spot there in 1 Peter and turn with me to Isaiah 53. This passage is a prophecy of the coming Christ, of and perhaps nowhere else is the example of the suffering of Christ put on display in such an explicit manner. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah tells us of Christ, who is our suffering servant. So look with me to Isaiah 53, verses 3 through Five. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The suffering that he faced was a terrible, extreme suffering. Not only had his own kindred, his own countrymen, turned their back on him, but the Father himself turned his face away. Christ Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, after being mercilessly beaten and whipped, cried out to the Father, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But why did Christ do this? Why did he experience the greatest suffering that anyone has ever experienced? Well, the answer is in the last part of Isaiah 53:5. And with his stripes, we are healed. That is the reason that Christ had to suffer and die. It was for our salvation. It was so that we could be healed. He set his face on the prize that was before him, and he faced head on the suffering that came. And we must do the same. And we can do the same. Because the very same Christ sent his spirit to us to dwell within us believers, and he empowers us to overcome sufferings while seeking joy. That great Puritan Thomas Watson puts it like this, Has Christ waded through a sea of blood and wrath to purchase my peace? Has he not only made peace but spoken peace to me? How should my heart ascend in a fiery chariot of love? How willingly should I be to do and suffer for Christ? Brothers and sisters, that must be our mindset. Because of the great love that Christ has shown to us in his suffering, we ought to face our own suffering while seeking joy. But not only do we seek joy in the midst of our suffering for Christ, we also seek holiness. Let's continue in our passage with verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Now this phrasing may seem a little odd to us. What the apostle is doing here in this passage is, he's actually arguing from a negative. What he's saying is that believers should not be known for sin. There there are many people who are persecuted, and suffering because externally they're terrible people. But that shouldn't be us believers. We should not give the world a reason to despise us other than the fact that we're Christians. We are called to live morally upright lives according to the Word of God. We're called to be Holy as God is holy. Hebrews twelve fourteen tells us to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. There's a very real sense in which if one does not seek holiness in this life, he will not see the Lord. Now my reformed mind goes a little crazy when I hear something like that. What do, what do you mean that we're to follow holiness without which no man will see the Lord? How is this not advocating for a workspace salvation? Where's grace? What about grace? Brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. Without sanctification, without holiness, there will be no glorification. There will be no seeing the Lord. Let's look at this with the concept of all of Scripture and see what it says. What about Galatians 5, where Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft hatred variance emulations wrath strife seditions heresies envyings murders drunkenness reveling and such the like of which i told you i tell you before as i have also told you in time past they which do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a tough thing. If we're marked by these things, if we are habitually practicing and living in sin, we may not see the Lord there will be no glorification. Now, this doesn't mean that if we struggle with sin and temptation that we ought to doubt our salvation. But what it means is that if we are habitually uh, practicing these sins, if that's what we're known by, then we ought to question. If we're not, Seeking holiness, if if we're not in some way striving to be holy as God is holy, we ought to wonder if we're saved. It's easier for a fish to live in a tree than it is for the wicked to enter into paradise. God in his holiness, in his perfect holiness, Cause us to be holy because unholiness cannot dwell in the presence of holiness. We are called to be transformed into his likeness through the power of the spirit dwelling within us. This is what we're to seek in the midst of our suffering. We cannot be known for our sins. We cannot let the world have an, the excuse of our sins as a reason for their hating us. We must live transformed lives seeking holiness in the midst of our suffering. And in seeking joy in our suffering and in seeking holiness in our suffering, ultimately, it leads us to seeking God's glory in our suffering. Let's look at our final verse. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. This is the ultimate end of our suffering. It's the ultimate goal to which everything we face brings us, we must not be ashamed of our faith in Christ Jesus. I'm reminded of those uh, that experienced the Columbine shooting uh, a while back, where these two teenage boys went into the school and they, started shooting teachers and students alike. Now there are stories told by students who were there that survive that said that these boys would walk up to students and hold a gun to their head and ask if they were Christians. And if the answer was yes, they would pull the trigger. I'm also reminded of the same thing happening every day in China, where uh, government officials are going into Christian churches and taking these Christians and arresting them, or if they if the government finds out that you're a practicing Christian, even if you're not in an organized church, they will go to your house. And they will ask you if you are a Christian. And if you say yes, they will arrest you or they may even execute you. The people who are standing up for their faith in in these great times of suffering, they are exemplifying what it means to not be ashamed of Christ in the midst of suffering for him. It's easy for us to sit back here in our public meeting places in the luxury of air-conditioned buildings without the threat of being killed for our faith and to say that we're not ashamed of our faith in Christ. But in the persecution that we do face, do your actions actually say that you're not ashamed? Teachers, do you still share the gospel in the classroom even though you know you can be fired because of it? Businessmen, do you still hold to your Christian principles even though you know that you may face a discrimination lawsuit? we must not be ashamed of our faith. No matter what the persecution that comes our way, no matter what the suffering that we experience looks like, we must not be ashamed. Because ultimately, God will be glorified in our suffering. We know that God works all things together for our good and for his glory. But this glorifying God is not just a passive thing that happens to us. We're active in it. In our passage, the apostle tells us, let him glorify God on this behalf. This is an active thing that we're to do. We're to willingly face suffering for Christ as a means to glorify God. Romans 12:1 tells us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We are to sacrifice ourselves for Christ. That sacrifice comes in in many different forms, but it most assuredly includes the willful sacrifice of oneself in suffering. And that sacrifice of ourselves is our reasonable service. Other versions of that text call it our spiritual worship. This is one of the means by which we glorify God. And that, that must be that we ultimately seek in the midst of our suffering to glorify God. Brothers and sisters, we will experience suffering in this life for the sake of Christ. That fact is unavoidable. In John 16, Christ tells us, these things I have spoken to you that in me ye might have peace. In this world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This is our joy in suffering. This is why we cannot be known for sin, why we must seek holiness. This is why we must glorify God, in our suffering. Christ Jesus is our victorious King. And we can rest assured that He will be with us in the midst of our suffering because He has already won victory. I'm reminded of The great men and women during the Protestant Reformation who were captured and tried by the Roman Church. They were shackled and thrown into cramped, dark prison cells. They were given the very minimal amount of food and water to survive, to keep them alive so that they could make it to their farce of a trial. They were beaten and bloody and starving these men and women they walked up to the the courtroom and stood before the government that gave and and they gave a defense of the gospel the gavel would then crash down upon the judge's bench and they would hear their sentence of death as they would walk to their demise their demeanor was calm as they were brought to the stake, their faces showed peace. And as the flames began to lick their bodies, as, as the pain began to swell up inside of them, and as the stench of their burning flesh reached their nostrils, on their lips was the praises of the Psalms. That is what it means to be happy in suffering. Not that it's a forced happiness, but that your joy is so rooted in the Lord that his joy is your strength. These men and women were not known for their sins though they be many, but for the gospel that they boldly proclaimed. And it was his glory that was on their lips as they drew their last breaths they truly understood that Christ's victory over the world meant their victory over suffering. So what will we do? Will we compromise when the pressures get to us? Will we cower in fear as the enemy seeks to destroy us? No. Let us stand fast in the truth that is in us, boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and facing whatever persecution and suffering may come. If it costs us our jobs, let us glorify God. If it costs us our friends, let us glorify God. And ultimately, if it costs us our lives, let us glorify God. For we know that nothing that happens to to us happens outside of God's divine allowance. Let us bear that cross with power, for in the end, we will trade it for the crown of life. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now and we thank you that you are our victorious king who has risen from the grave and defeated hell and death. That you are there with us through the midst of our sufferings and that our joy is found in you. Father, we ask that your spirit would instill a drive for holiness within us, that the world would not know us for our sins, but that they would know us for the gospel that we proclaim. And Lord, we we ask that you would give us the ability to do all of these things with the ultimate end of glorifying you. As we continue throughout our week, as we go on into our everyday lives, let us have the courage and the boldness to face whatever persecution may come. That we would stand on the gospel that we proclaim. And that we would do it without fear or shame. Be with us as we continue our week. Let us bring glory and honor to your name. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.